we go. Good morning. Jay and Jackie, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for sharing your heart. As someone who grew up in a house church, I really appreciate your faithfulness to the people that God has called you. And to see the work, the seeds that you've sown over the last few years, God is, God is bringing up. And to see that God will bless and God will lead you wherever he's taken you. Well, good morning, church. It is uh, it's definitely a pleasure to be here this morning. If we haven't met, my name is Marvin Thomas, the campus pastor here at, at Burlington. It is my joy to be able to come to you with a word this morning. We're in our back in our series on rest uh, today. It's called Finding, Finding Joy in God's Gift of Rest. So often when we think of rest, we don't think of it in, that, in those terms. As a matter of fact, some of us, we, we're uncomfortable with the fact that we rest or, you know, we're, as a culture, we're, we have a strong work ethic. As a culture, we are go-getters. As a culture, we, we, we build and we, uh, we pride ourselves in the things that we can accomplish and we achieve. And sometimes rest is the casualty when that happens. And so... God calls us to something different. And so today we're going to take some time to consider what God is calling us to. But before I jump into that, I have a quick question for you. What's your memory like? Some of you are already laughing and you know where this is headed. Um, my memory is interesting. I can remember absolutely useless facts. Um, you throw in random things. I will remember, I will regurgitate that to you. Throw in, uh, passwords are my specialty. I can remember passwords all day, every day. Throw in alphanumeric, 15 characters. Throw in symbols, all of that I'll remember. Tell me your name, I will forget in the next one minute. As a matter of fact, there are people in this room that I've, I've asked you five, six times, and I still get it wrong. Some of you, I've, I still call you by the wrong name. I apologize if I'm doing that. Um, I, that's, that's my weakness. I know I'm terrible. My memory is awful. In some things, our memory is great. Some things, our memory fails us. Moments and things that we so often want to capture, we don't. And, you know, we, uh, we sometimes delegate our memory to our devices. We take pictures and hoping that we'll remember how many pictures of fireworks on all of your phones here. We never go back. Memory is this weird thing. We, we have it. But sometimes we don't tap into it. I remember one time, uh, about 11 years ago, Jen and I, my wife Jen and I, we were moving up to the Boston area. We had packed up our U-Haul in Philadelphia, and that night we said, you know what, we're leaving early in the morning. So I did one final check, make sure the, the, the back was locked, everything was secure, the cab was ready to go, gas was filled up, all of the stuff was taken care of. Again, this is one of those old, old times. Uh, trucks where you had to individually lock each door. So all I locked the car, lo locked the truck, and I go upstairs and immediately, you have that moment where you know you forgot something? That moment hit and I realized I forgot the key in the cab and locked the truck. Now, here's the thing. I'm not a locksmith. I don't know how to open a car. I don't know anything. So we spent a lot of money, spent a lot of time that evening trying to get into the truck. Our memory fails us sometimes. 
even things that, we're, that are so commonplace, right, we, we think and we deal with so often, we sometimes don't remember well. As a matter of fact, two researchers uh, did this test, and we've done this test a long time ago here at Mount Hope, so if you remember it, please don't shout out the answer. It's the penny test. Again, some of you in this room have never held a penny because most of us now don't carry cash or coins in our, in our pockets anymore. But, but those, for those of you who don't know, a penny is the smallest denomination of currency we have here, and it's about this big. Now, here's the penny test. On the screen behind me are nine pennies, supposedly. Which is the right penny? All right, 10, 9. All right, shout out some answers. G, I, A, I. Wow, everyone thinks it's the I. As a matter of fact, it's not. It's A. Go to the next slide. It's A. There's no one cent underneath. Things that are so commonplace with us. We keep in our pockets. Sometimes we don't remember the things that we deal with. While these are inconsequential, sometimes that happens with the big moments in our lives. The things that we ought to remember, we often forget. The things we shouldn't remember, we often keep holding on to. And our memories are important. As a matter of fact, God spends a good amount of his communication or his, his talk to his people, his conversation with his people, reminding them to remember. 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 In the, in the book of Genesis and into the Exodus, you see a people who were enslaved and who are, who are, who are delivered. And, his, and through his authors and through his prophets and through his people, he's constantly reminding them, remember who you were. Remember where you've been. Remember how you came out of it. Because your memories are going to help you go into the future, are going to carry you into the future. When we forget where we've been, we're most likely going to end up in the wrong place. When we forget who we are, we travel a path that is fickle. This morning, we're going to continue our series by jumping into the book of Deuteronomy. So in Deuteronomy chapter 5, if you have your Bible, it's the fifth book of the Bible. So go ahead and pull that out, or if you'd uh, prefer, it's on the screen as well. Last week, we talked about, for those of you with good memories, you'll remember that we talked about the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, today, we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments again. And we're going to talk about the same commandment that we talked about last week. And that is the fourth commandment. In Deuteronomy, it's in chap chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. This is what it says. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock 
or the sojourner who is within your gates that, you, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Maybe wondering, why are we talking about the same thing again? Two weeks on the same passage? Yes, we are talking about the Ten Commandments, but what's interesting is we're in the book, book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy all, uh, refers to the second time the law was given. The law was given to the people of Israel. So if you know your history, and uh, Pastor Rick mentioned the story of Scripture series, if you haven't listened to it, I re highly recommend it. In, in the story, you see a people who lived in Egypt, were enslaved by the Egyptians, were treated horribly, who cried out to God, and God delivered them miraculously. Now, they've been wandering the desert. And in the desert, what they're, what's happening, they're forming a community. They're forming, they're realizing their identity. They're forming and becoming a people. And as they do, God gives them directions and commands on how to live, how to interact with him, and how to interact with each other. And so the Ten Commandments, he gives to his people, and he says, these are different ways. These are, this is how you'll interact with me, how you'll respect, and how you'll worship, and all of those things. And the, the rules, the basic guidelines by which you ought to live with each other. Now, we're in the book of Deuteronomy. Let's keep in mind a little bit of context here. The people who had experienced God in Egypt, the people who had fled out of Egypt, the people who had crossed the sea, the people who had incredibly experienced God, those people have passed away. That generation is gone. Now there is a new generation that's coming up, and there are children and their grandchildren that they're coming up, and it's important to Moses to remind them and to give them the law once more because here's the, here's the danger. As time goes on, our memories fade. As a collective body, our memories fade. We often forget the things that we're supposed to keep in mind. And what, what uh, Moses is doing, he realizes that his time is coming to an end. Here, the people of Israel, they're at the doorstep of the promised land. They're about to enter. But before they do, Moses gives them the law once, once more. Now here, the Ten Commandments in both Exodus and Deuteronomy, they're almost identical with the one exception, the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the reasoning behind the Sabbath, he says, observe the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, do it. But in Exodus, God says, he says, observe, remember the Sabbath because God created in six days and then he created the Sabbath on the seventh. He rested on the seventh. He's saying God did it and so should you. But here he switches gears a little bit in Deuteronomy, and to this new generation, he's saying he's changing it around a little bit. The motivation is changed around, and he's saying, remember the Sabbath, observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath essentially is a stop. 
It's a ceasing. It's a, it's a stoppage of work. It's a stoppage of life. And you're taking a moment. You're taking a rest once a, once a week in, in a moment where everything stops. And he's saying, not only are you to stop, but there's a second command in that command. And that command is remember. Remember the Lord. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Remember that out of that, God delivered you and brought you out. Remember that you were broken. Remember that you had no identity. Remember that you were, you, uh, you were coerced into this, into this lifestyle. You were, you, were, you were forced into, you were, uh, you were kept captive. And out of that, God delivered. And not only did he just provide a way of escape, he made his name known in that process. Remember that you were slaves. And remember that God delivered you. Two commandments. Stop and remember. You see, the people of Israel, they were delivered. That was their redemption. That was them finding life. That was them being brought into their identity. That was them being brought out of darkness into what God had for them. As a matter of fact, in Exodus, this is what we read. You have led, your, led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. It's a deliverance. But if you look at the Old Testament, that deliverance points to an even bigger deliverance. That deliverance is a foreshadow of a bigger one. And that's the one that you and I have experienced. That we too were slaves. We too were captive. We too were bound to our sins. We too were bound to our, our brokenness. We too were separated from God. We too were held captive by our brokenness. And into that situation, God comes and he res rescues us. He redeems us. There's a parallel between the story of the Israelites and our story. And the story is this, that we were incapable of rescuing us on the hamster wheel, trying to get out, trying to escape, yet without success. And into that place comes Jesus. Into that place shows up the cross. Into that place shows up grace. Into that place shows up mercy, shows up uh, your redemption. And he's saying, I have delivered you. As a matter of fact, Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, this is what Paul says. He has delivered us, you and I, from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. God delivered us from slavery. God delivered us from our brokenness. And that's the first thing we ought to do. If we're going to talk about Sabbath and we're talking about rest here, if we're going to talk about this, one of the things that God wants us to do is to put it in the right context. We're able to do that because of who we are, because of what we've experienced, because of what we have escaped from. He's looking at the Israelites and saying, you had no course for rest. As a matter of fact, at the king's whim, your big brick production had to increase. 
Your, your captors, they were ruthless. You were beaten. You were tortured. You were humiliated. You were all of that. You had no place for rest. And now that you have come out of it, now that you have broken free from it, now that you have been set free, now that you have your identity, now that you are your own people, he's saying, rest in it. Stay in it. Enjoy that freedom. Remember that you were set free. You and I were trapped in the, under the power of sin with no recourse except through Christ. So we should d- dismiss, and here's why I bring all of that, because it's easy to dismiss this idea of Sabbath as an Old Testament commandment, as something that the Jewish people did, as the people of Israel did, or the Jewish people today do, or certain churches abide by, and they do. And so often for us, because we live in this arena of grace, because of, because of the fact that we live in this moment of, of redemption and moment of grace and moment of, of deliverance, we say, we don't need to follow those rules. See, the rules still exist, or the rules or the principles behind it is essential for us to consider. In your cars, you'll see a little book that comes with the car or any machine or any appliance that you purchase, there's a little book that comes with it. And in that book, somewhere along the way, you'll see it says, follow these procedures to maintain this car, to keep this car running. Because here's what the manufacturer knows. These cars need maintenance. You need to do an oil change. You need to change the brakes. You need to flush out the transmission. You need to do all of these because they are designed to last you long, but if not maintained, they're going to break on you. You're going to find yourself stranded on the side of the road if you haven't followed the instructions. This is God's instruction manual. The commandments that he gives, he's saying, follow these commandments and you will live long. You will be blessed. You will thrive. You will flourish. And he's saying, follow the instruction manual. Because here's what Moses knows. Here's what God knows as he's talking to this new generation. This new generation, they're at the doorstep to their promise. And here's what the promise is. A land that is flowing with milk and honey. A land that is so fertile. A land that will produce and the land that will bring them wealth and a land that will bring them affluence and a land that will bring them prosperity and they will be able to establish themselves. They'll be able to own land. They will be able to set up their families. They'll they'll be able to do well. But here's the problem with prosperity. Prosperity sometimes breeds amnesia. When things go well, we have a tendency to forget. We have a tendency to forget what we've been through. Who brought us through that? And God knows that very well. He's looking at his people and saying, observe the Sabbath, stop, but also remember. Remember where you were. Remember what you've done. Because here's the thing. Of all the Ten Commandments, if you really pay attention, the fourth one, which is the one about the Sabbath, is one that people 
takes most lightly. As a matter of fact, some even boast about breaking it. You ever heard the words saying, I haven't taken a vacation in so long. I haven't taken a day off in four years. And we say that with such pride. And it's good. We say, hey, you have a strong work ethic. You, 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 you're a go-getter. You want to do. You want to accomplish. You want to build. You want to gather. You want to build your empire. And that's great. But here's the reality. It is God's commandment to you and I. And the reality of the Ten Commandments is this. You break one, you break them all. And he's saying, observe the Sabbath. Rest. Because rest is not simply a ceasing of work. It's not simply, hey, laying on the couch and watching Netflix all day. There is purpose behind it. There is rejuvenation that happens. There is, there is you're recollecting what God has done. There is purpose behind it. What he's calling for is purposeful rest. Because here's, the, here's what Moses knows. Our busyness leads to our blindness. Our busyness leads to our blindness. When times are good, we tend to forget or minimize the struggles of the past. And you see that playing out in Israel's history. From the moment they enter the promised land, within a few years, they would find themselves struggling. They would find themselves in bondage. They would find themselves sinning. They would find themselves forgetting. They would find themselves in trouble again. Because here's what God's concerned about. God says, I rescued you. I delivered you from what you, where you were. Now live in this freedom. And to live in this freedom and to function the way you're supposed to, there's an instruction manual that you have to, you have to abide by. But what they did was ignore that. And if you read through the book of the kings or if you read through the book of the judges and you'll see judge after judge, they go through this, one, this spiral of brokenness and reform and brokenness and reform. Here's what would happen. Things are good in the land and they forget God and they forget their, their backgrounds and then things would start falling apart. A king would attack or they would be taken slaves and suddenly they would start crying out to God, say, God, remember us once more. God, deliver us. And God would be merciful and he would send a deliverer. He would send a judge. He would send a prophet and he would bring his people back and things would get better again. And within a few years, they're back in the spiral. And the spiral keeps going on and on and on and on again. And in our lives, in some of our lives, we too are in that spiral. Where when things are good, things are great. We have a tendency to walk away, to forget. And God in his mercy sometimes uses the crises in our lives, sometimes uses the trials in our lives to call us back, say, come back to me. Come back to me. Remember what I did for you. Remember and consider and pay attention to who you are and who I am to you. This plays out in, in John, in the gospel of John. Jesus is talking to the people around him. And he's talking about being free. And he's talking about finding freedom and being true disciples. And here's what John chapter 8 says. Keep in mind, these are the Jewish people he's talking to. 
In John chapter 8, verses 31 on, he says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They, the people, the Israelites around him, answered and said, We are the offspring of Abraham, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? We'll pause there. The same people who were called to remember that you were slaves in Egypt have suddenly lost all memory of it. As a matter of fact, not only were they slaves in Egypt, but they've been slaves to king after king after empire after empire. As a matter of fact, they are slaves in that moment to the Romans. Their busyness had made them blind. They're captured by everything of today that they're so blind to their actual spiritual reality. Friends, that's possible in our lives as well. That we are so bound by the pressures of today, that we're so bound by the jobs of today, by the demands of the moment, the demands of the now, that we forget to consider, that we forget the, the true reality that we live in. And he's saying, stop and remember. Stop your, mo- stop your work, stop your, stop your busyness, and remember. God knows the temptation just like he did with the Israelites. And he's looking at you and I and us and calling us to the same thing. Yes, Sabbath means a little different to us today. But the principle is the same. The principle is for us to stop and remember. It's for us to take a break in our schedules. For us to find a pause where we, where we pause from our daily work. But here's what it also means. Not only are we pausing in our daily work or in our weekly work, we're also declaring something. By us doing that, we're declaring our trust. That's saying, God, I'm going to take this moment to stop what I have to do to to function or to stop what I have to do to provide for my family or stop what I have to do to further my career or stop what I have to do so that I can get through my next exam or whatever I have to do. But I'm not only stopping, but what I'm doing is even bigger. I'm trusting that you have got me. That you will take care of it, that you will provide, that you will extend, that you will push me further, that you will do what you will do because I am declaring my trust in you. As we come to a close, I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Here's what we're going to do. I have with me a little jar. Now... It's been sitting for a while, so I'm just going to shake it up a little bit. Imagine this is your life. Here's what this jar is. It's just water and soil. This is what our weeks are, constantly moving, constantly moving, constantly moving. And in the midst of this, here's what we lose. We lose clarity. We lose the ability to see what God is truly doing. We lose the ability to understand ourselves. We lose the ability to understand God's words to us. We lose the ability to miss out on the community that we have for us. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to set it aside for a moment. 
And in a few moments, you'll notice this, that as the water sits, the sediments start to fall. They start to clear up. The water starts to gain clarity again. You're able to see through it. Again, it's not going to be fully clear, but here's the idea. We're so used to the constant busyness. That busyness that leads to our blindness. But it is rest that leads us back to clarity. It is rest that refocuses our understanding, refocuses our perspective, refocuses who we're focused on. It is rest that allows us to declare our trust in the Lord. Busyness leads to blindness, but rest brings us back to clarity. So if you are in this place of, just like Bumi said this, or prayed this morning, whether you have your entire life planned out or you can't see a foot in front of you, wherever you may be, let's take a moment to stop. Let's take a moment to pause. Let's take a moment to say, God, I'm surrendering this into your hand. See, to truly practice the Sabbath or to practice rest, one thing we have to pay attention to or to know is what we're in bondage to. See, the Israelites, they were in bondage to the Egyptians. They were in bondage to their work. They were in bondage to their, their captors. What would you say you're in bondage to? Maybe you wouldn't say that. You would say, I'm a free man. I'm a free woman. I live how I need to, how I want. But I can guarantee that we're all bound to something. There's something that draws life out of us. There's something that wears us out, wears us down. There's something that robs us of our joy, our peace. All of those things. And so as we're going into God's presence and we're going to take some time to meditate, we're going to do that differently today. As we do that, let's take some time to consider what is it that constantly keeps us going? That anxiety that is within us that says, keep doing more, keep doing more, or you'll be left behind. Keep doing more, or you're not going to make ends meet. Keep doing more, or you're going to fail your next class. Keep doing more. What is it that has kept you bound? So here's what we're going to do. The worship team's going to lead us in worship in just a moment. But all of us, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And as you do, we have four stations around this room. Around those four stations are on the tables are little jars. You're going to put one scoop of dirt. Here's, here's why. This morning, I didn't follow my own advice. I put three scoops. And I sat there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the dust to settle. And it wouldn't. And then I realized, hey, that's a great illustration. I should use that. Sometimes we fill our weeks with too much stuff. And here's what I had to do. I had to go out back and throw it out. Sometimes we have to throw out stuff. So here's what I would recommend. In that jar, put one spoon of dirt and fill it up with water. And as you do, this is what you're going to be seeing. But take a moment before you leave today, find a place, go back to your seat as the worship team leads us. Watch as it settles. And let that settling be a reminder of the rest that you need, of the clarity that we so deeply need, 
of the blindness that has taken over us and the freedom that God is really calling us to, of the freedom from getting out of that hamster wheel instead of say, instead saying, God, I trust you. You will take care of this. I'm going to stop. I'm going to rest. Our busyness leads to blindness, but our rest leads us back to clarity. Let's go find our jars, please.